0: Philippians chapter 4 tonight. Paul's last words in this great letter to the Philippians. We're talking about partnership. What that looks like, what that means. But before we get into Philippians 4, I want to take you back to the first chapter of Philippians remind you of something that Paul said to the Philippians in verses 3, 4, and 5 of chapter 1. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy in my every prayer for all of you because, notice, of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. So even At the outset of this letter, Paul is talking to them about participation, about partnership, about fellowship. It's the Greek word koinonia. And many times as Christians, we reduce koinonia fellowship to simply hanging out with each other or sharing a meal with each other, and not that that's not important, but that doesn't go to the depth of what the word means and what God intends for his people to to experience when we are part of his body. I want to pick it up in verse 14, where again, Paul talked last week about him learning to be content, to be satisfied in the fullness of God, and to live every day not saying I can't, but that I can because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then he says in verse 14, nevertheless, you did well to share with me in my trouble. And we talked last week about that that word share speaks about identifying with Paul empathizing, sympathizing with him while he's under house arrest there in Rome. And then Paul says this, and as you Philippians know, verse 15, at the beginning of my gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in this matter of giving and receiving except you alone. There the word shared in verse 15 goes beyond just identifying and empathizing and sympathizing. This word means to partner, to participate. It's not enough just to be a spectator. God doesn't call us to be spectators. He calls us to be participants. He calls us to partner with others in the gospel ministry, as Paul says in verse 15. And that's what it means to really enter into fellowship. I want to say four things about participation Tonight. Gospel participation multiplies the impact. Gospel participation multiplies the eternal investment. Gospel participation makes God smile. And gospel participation comes with a promise. And then in verses 20 through 23, we're going to look at Paul saying his final goodbye. And there's three words that are going to be the main thing we look at in those three words, so I'm sort of giving you my outline ahead of time. They are the words glory in verse 20, greetings in verse 21, and grace in verse 23. But let's begin back up in verse 15. Gospel participation multiplies the impact. Paul made a great impact for the Lord But he did not do it by himself. Especially, how important is it that when things get started, when you're just starting out, that you have somebody, you know? (laughs) I can remember the early days of the Oasis. In fact, I I can remember the night before, very vividly, before the very first service, just saying, well, Lord, this this is yours, whether anybody shows up or not because I had no guarantees anybody was going to show up the first Sunday. And, you know, those that, that enter in and really participate and partner with you are so important because you realize you can't do this on your own. You can't build a ministry like Paul's on your own. You can't build a church on your own. You need those that are willing to link arms and, hold hands and say, we're in this with you, and that was the Philippians. In fact, notice something. Paul even says, you all know that you were the only church at the beginning. And think about it. As I've said before, what made that so incredible is the Philippian church was probably the poorest church that Paul ever was linked to, and yet they were the ones that were giving whatever they had, and we'll talk about that in a minute, Uh, they certainly weren't the closest church to Paul, but they they were willing to put forth whatever effort to say, Paul, we're with you in this, and we want to support you, and we want to help you, and we want to encourage you. That's what partnership, gospel partnership, is all about. So not only then, when I say partnership multiplies the impact, it wasn't just multiplying the impact that Paul could have through his ministry. It was also impacting the Philippian church as well because every time we give, we receive. Every time we put ourselves out there, we also receive something back, which is why I Paul uses this phrase, no church shared with me in this matter of giving and receiving. In fact, this phrase describes a healthy partnership, a healthy relationship. I don't care what kind of relationship you're talking about. I don't care what kind of partnership you're talking about. I don't care what kind of friendship you're talking about. There's got to be a mutual giving and receiving. There's got to be both. It can't be one-sided. And here's the other thing. And Paul is a great example of this, even to the Philippians. You and I can be very good and very willing to give, but part of being a mature Christian is learning to receive from others just as much as we give to others. If we don't, then we are depriving others of entering into a healthy fellowship and partnership and we are not, we're going to miss a blessing by what they can give and, and, and how they can bless us as well. And Paul says that. He, in a sense, the end of Philippians is like Paul writing out a receipt. You know, how you go and you buy something and they give you a receipt for it. Paul's literally like writing out a receipt. I, I got your gift. Thank you, you know. And, and I'm writing you back to not only commend you for what you've done, but just to say it, it was well received and accepted. That's what Paul's doing. And he's just saying, you guys at the beginning were the only ones. There are certain people that you and I will partner with over the years that will stand out and stand above others. Some we won't maybe call as mine, but others we will never forget, even years later. It could be we haven't partnered with them or whatever for a long time, but the impact of that partnership will never leave us and we'll never forget that. Paul never forgot this. It made a deep impression on him because that's what true partnerships do. Now listen, you and I can't have that kind of partnership with everybody in the body, but we should be having those partnerships and enter into that kind of fellowship with some people in the body, you see. Because we shouldn't be out there trying to live and do Christian life and Christian ministry all by ourselves. And so Paul says, first of all, gospel partnerships multiply the impact. Notice he says in verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, on more than one occasion, you sent something for my need. Now he was in Thessalonica. Oh, and by the way, there's a church in Thessalonica, right? First and second. And yet the Philippians just continued to try to minister to Paul, to support him, to encourage him. It wasn't just a one-and-done thing. Notice, on more than one occasion, you were there. I knew I could count on you. I knew that if you knew about a need of mine or that I, I shared something, that, uh, whether it was a prayer request or whatever, I knew you guys would be there with me because you're in this with me because we have linked arms. We, have, we are holding hands here. We, we have entered into a partnership to fellowship, to koinonia fellowship. And we are doing this together, not alone. Now notice Paul says in verse 17, I do not say this because I'm seeking a gift. Paul's not trying to commend them so much for their gift that that sort of maybe gets them to send more. Remember, Paul up in verses 11 through 13 said, I've learned to be content. So no matter what physical, material circumstances I'm going through, I'm satisfied in the fullness of God. And if he chooses to bring something to me from like you, the Philippians, or some other church, or some other, you know, believer, that's great, but I'm not sitting there looking for it. Whatever God supplies will be good enough for me. But then Paul says, rather what I seek... I seek the credit that abounds to your account. Now, this is a very interesting phrase. First of all, the word credit is the Greek word karpos, and it most of the time is translated fruit in the Bible. It means to bear fruit, don't miss this, in partnership with Christ first. Think of the passage In John 15, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, remain in me, abide in me, and you will bear fruit, because without me you can do nothing. And if you continue to abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit, and my Father will be glorified. So he even, Jesus, connects being fruitful and bearing fruit with, in a sense, partnering with him. Not doing it. Apart from him, but with him. Because again, all true partnerships in the gospel first has to start with us partnering with God first. We have to be a branch that is always connected to the vine, the life-giving vine of Jesus Christ. We've got to stay intimately connected and attached in fellowship with him. And when we do that, then Jesus will direct us to other human partners, other fellow believers to enter into these partnerships with so that first of all, our partnerships in the kingdom can multiply the impact that we're making because it's not just one of us out there. Now we've doubled our efforts or tripled our efforts or how many people are involved in the partnership. And second notice, Paul now says in verse 17, we also multiply the eternal investment because the account here that Paul is talking about is not our earthly bank account. It is our heavenly bank account. Paul's not talking here about an IRA. He's talking about an ERA, an eternal retirement account. (laughs) It's exactly what Jesus said, did he not? When he said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus is talking to us about starting an eternal heavenly spiritual bank account and making eternal investments. And Paul is saying to the Philippians, the great thing about entering into gospel partnerships is not only that it multiplies the impact of the gospel and of the kingdom here on earth, but it multiplies our investment in heaven. You see, because we all should be living to invest in eternal things, not just material and temporal, earthly things. Now here's the thing. I want to talk about this for a moment. The Bible, nor God, never says specifically that our earthly wealth and all that is bad. He doesn't say that. He said, that's not something you should trust in. That's not something you should put before me. And he says, Here's the problem if you're one of my followers in taking more of your life to invest in earthly things than in eternal things. They won't last. The reason, primary reason why Jesus encourages his followers to invest in eternal things is because we get to participate in those things and enjoy those things and experience our heavenly bank account and what's in it for all of eternity because... Sooner or later, one of two things is going to happen to our earthly treasures. Either they get separated from us throughout our life for some reason, I'll just throw out an example, stock market goes down, or eventually we get separated from it when we die and have to go to heaven because we can't take it with us. So the reason why God is always encouraging his people to invest in eternal things is because that's what lasts. This other stuff doesn't. And one of two ways we're going to be eventually separated from it. It gets separated from us, or one day we get separated from it. So Paul is saying, look, I just want to keep encouraging you to be the giving, generous, partnering church that you are because every time you do that, whether it's with me or some other person out there living for the Lord, you're entering into something that's not only multiplying the impact of the gospel, you are multiplying your heavenly fruit, your heavenly bank account. You are continuing to lay up more and more and more treasure in heaven because as we partner with each other as we support each other as we encourage each other we become part of each other's ministries think about that so like some of you when when we're partnering together that means say if i go out and i impact somebody else for the kingdom and you're partnering with me that means you're part of that too You're supporting me in some way, that means you're part of that too. That means one day, even though you don't even know those people, because you never came in contact with them, I did, but because you support me, because you pray for me, because you allow me to do that, then God's going to reward you as well. And that's true for all of us, you see. Those who partner with you, every life you touch, you're a part of that. That's part of your heavenly account. Someday, people are going to walk up to you that you never met, don't even know, and they're going to say, I'm either here in heaven because of you or I became the Christian and the follower of Jesus Christ because of your investment in so-and-so. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's what Paul's saying here. And then he says this, verse 18, For I have received everything and I have plenty. I have all I need. He's talking about being abundantly furnished to the point of overflowing. How how can he feel that way? He's under house arrest in Rome. He hardly has anything because he's living in the fullness of God every day. That's how. Again, material, earthly, temporal things come and go. The fullness of God is there every day for us. And so Paul says, I'm good. And when he does receive something, say, from the, a church like Philippi, it, for, for someone like Paul and should be something like us, it's just gravy. It, it's just extra. It's just sort of piling on type of thing. And then we get to the third reason why gospel partnership it's so important. Not only because it multiplies the impact, it multiplies the eternal investment, it makes God smile. Notice what Paul says at the end of verse 18. I have all I need because i received from Epaphroditus what you sent. And notice how Paul describes this gift, a fragrant offering. He's going back to the Old Testament sacrificial system where the Jews would be required to place those offerings and as they were being burned up, there would be this aroma that literally would waft up. Paul says, that's what your gift has done to the Lord. It has entered into the, the very gates of heaven and into the nostrils of God. It is an acceptable sacrifice. And I believe that that's the case because again, the Philippian church was very, very poor. And here's another thing that tells us that we don't wait till we can give something big to give it. We give what we can, and God uses it in amazing ways. Paul never demeaned them in any way for saying, oh, that all you could give? No. Because Paul understood the situation at Philippi that they were a struggling, poor, persecuted, marginalized church. They were going through it, and yet, instead of having, you know, their eyes on themselves and being so self-absorbed and feeling sorry for themselves, they were giving to Paul. And Paul said, you made God smile. Very pleasing to God. When God sees his people partnering together, entering into fellowship, participating, not sitting on our hands, not being a spectator, but entering in and really getting involved in ministry and in service to the Lord and linking arms and doing it together, that what comes out of that makes God smile. It's what God always intended for his church and his people to be. And the same thing is true today. And then, another very familiar verse from the book of Philippians, verse 19. Gospel partnership comes with a promise. And here's the promise. And my God will supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. See, Paul is saying, here's the promise, Philippians. As you give to others you can't outgive the Lord, and as you give of yourself and whatever you have, God will make sure that you have your needs met. The word "supply" means to meet or furnish. The word "need" is important. It doesn't say the promise isn't God will supply all our wants, but all that we absolutely absolutely need. And I'm just going to say this. I think most of us don't really know how little we need because we live with so much more than what we really need. You and I in America probably are very poor at evaluating what we really need. But God said, I'll make sure you have what you need. And this also speaks about the fact that God will always give us what we need to accomplish his will. That's another promise. Whatever God is asking of us in the moment, in the season, God will make sure that we have it. And if we don't have it, then that means, well, maybe that's not what God wants me to do. Because if God really wanted me to do that, God would make sure that I have it because Philippians 4.19 says he will supply all our need. And then I love this. According to his riches in glory, or his glorious riches, as the Net Bible says, in Christ Jesus. Well, how big is that? And don't forget, it's not out of his riches because that would imply that God has a limit and and God sort of goes into his heavenly bank account or resources like we do, and as he takes out, there's less. No, that's why it's not out of. It's according to. God has an infinite amount at his supply. And God has everything in the universe that he created at his disposal to supply us. Everything. That's why we never have to worry about our needs because God can bring something, as I would say, out of left field that we don't even see coming. And God may use another believer and tap them and say, hey, you have and they don't, so could you bless them right now? Then I'll make sure that you have your needs met too. It's the principle, think of this. It's the principle of the feeding of the 5,000. Remember when Jesus turned to his followers and said, you give them something to eat and their eyeballs got about yay big? because they're like, what do you mean you give them something? We got nothing. We got this little boy's lunch over here, and you're telling us to feed thousands of people? And Jesus was teaching his followers two things there, primarily. One, look to him, and he he will work through us as we trust him to supply what the others need. All he wants us to be is a faithful, trusting conduit, if you will, for him to bless through us, right? But then he also commands his disciples to feed the crowd first, to not get in line first, but to feed the crowd first, and to trust him that he'll make sure their needs are met if they make sure other people's needs are met first. And that's why the story is so cool when it ends with the disciples realize after they had fed everybody and everybody had more than enough to eat, there were 12 basket Fools left over, one for each of the disciples. That, that story and how it ends is an illustration from the Bible of Philippians 4.19. We cannot outgive God. The more we give and do and support and encourage others, God will make sure that we have our needs met. Let me say this too. I was reading a It was a strange article. Some of you may have come across it too. Several weeks ago, there was this article written about all the billionaires in the world and and how much they're worth. And so based on how much they're worth, what cities they could actually buy if they wanted to buy a city. So like Warren Buffett has enough money that if he wanted to, he could buy Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay? He could literally buy the city. Um, Bill Gates has enough money that he could buy Boston, Massachusetts. He could literally own the city. The Walton family, of Walmart fame, what is it? Oh, Seattle, Washington. They could buy Seattle, Washington with their money. But here's the thing. God owns all the cities. That's the point even the richest people on earth still have a limit to what they can own and they can buy and what resources. Our God has no limitations. It is according to his glorious riches, which are infinite. All God is saying to his people is, trust me, because gospel participation always comes with a promise, a promise that God will furnish or meet our needs according to his glorious riches And then, don't miss those last two words, in Christ Jesus, because everything we will ever need can be found in Jesus. I was reminded of that even as we were worshiping tonight. Just, he's enough. Just look to Jesus. So, I think it's really important because, again, no church was dearer to Paul than the Philippian church. No church was closer to Paul. And Paul was not closer to any other church like he was the church at Philippi. And so what was the last sort of main thing that he really wanted to talk about? Gospel participation. Because it meant so much to Paul because he realized I couldn't be where I'm at, I wouldn't have what I have, all that without you guys linking your arms with me and partnering with me in what God called me to. Now, God, I believe, has a ministry or a service or something for each of us throughout our lives. But sometimes, too, The thing that God wants us to do sometimes through a certain season is just support others who are doing things. Not not to be the one supported, but the one who's supporting maybe someone else. And that's what the Philippians were doing with Paul. All right, final goodbyes. Final goodbyes. I said it's all summarized in really three words. Paul's, in his last words to the Philippians, is saying three things. He's saying, worship God with everything you got. Embrace your fellow believers and live by grace. Glory, greetings, grace. Look at verse 20. May glory be given to God our Father forever and ever, amen. The word glory speaks about worship based on value and worth. We talked about this during our worship series. That's where true worship and praise and glory and exaltation and elevation of God comes from, seeing him as worth, worthy, and of greatest value of anything or anyone else that I have in my life. And all of it then is born out of that. And notice Paul goes on to say, oh, and by the way, as we talked about at the end of our worship series, God is going to be worshipped because of his worth and value forever and ever. So let's get on board now to begin to worship God now because he is worthy of our praise. Worship God with everything you've got. And then Paul even gives himself an amen. Amen. So be it. Then, verse 21, give greetings to all the saints in Christ Jesus, back in Philippi. The brothers with me here send greetings, from Rome, back. All the saints greet you especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Why does he add that particular bit of information as an encouragement to the Philippians? Why? Paul's saying, do you realize because you partner with me, you supported my ministry, you helped me out, you encouraged me, that there are people high up in the Roman Empire who now have come to faith in Jesus Christ that would have never come to faith in Jesus Christ had I not partnered with you. So Paul, in a sense, is even giving them a hint into maybe some of the eternal investment they've made and the impact that they've made to encourage them, again, to keep on seeking the credit that abounds to their heavenly or spiritual account. But I want to go back to the word greetings Because notice, Paul uses it several times in just these couple of verses. The word means to acknowledge the value of our fellow believers and the bond that we have between us, that unique bond that we have between us as Christians. To acknowledge the value of our fellow believers and the bond that uniquely exists between us. And it is incredible when when you and I find partnerships and find partners that there's that kind of a bond, it's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do in, in each of us and through us and with us when we truly are linked together. It's amazing. And all I can tell you from personal experience is if you've never experienced gospel partnership on that level, man, Ask the Lord to bring somebody into your life that you can experience gospel ministry and life with that way because it's so encouraging. It's so sweet. It's so good. It's just, it's good. It's good. See, these greetings that Paul's talking about isn't just saying, hey. (laughs) It's so much more than that. It's, It's realizing we need each other. And that we're in this together with each other. So those in Rome, they're extending their hand way over there into Philippi. And we're reaching out to you. And you all in Philippi, I can feel you're reaching out to us here. And we are linked together. Even though we may be miles apart, we are connected by a unique bond through the Holy Spirit. And we have linked arms. And we are in this together. And we are going forth for the glory of Jesus Christ and for his kingdom on this earth. And then what better way to end than verse 23? Oh, and Paul says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace, that, that supernatural enablement and empowerment of God. Why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Why Paul heard from, from uh, God in 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient, when God gives us his grace, it is this supernatural enablement that allows us to live on a whole different level than we could ever live without his grace. And notice Paul says, may this grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, may it be in the very inner person, the inner recesses of your being. Don't just let the grace of God lie on the outside or externally. Let it come in and let it sink in there into the, the deepest bones and and arteries and and sinews and tissues and and all of that. And let it get into the very center of your being, so that everything that you and I do pulsates and flows out of the grace of God. You've heard me say it many times and I've heard it said many times, last words are lasting words. And Paul loved the Philippians as much as anybody on earth. So what was it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he wanted to leave with them because he wasn't sure that he would ever see them again on this side of glory? Because one day, we all have to say goodbye. When we say goodbye to each other now, it's obviously in hope we'll see each other again, but there does come that point where we truly say goodbye for a while. So what Paul was saying, I think, was so heartfelt. It was like, if I can leave you with one message to those that I love, this is what I'd want to leave with you. I hope you've enjoyed our study of Philippians. Let's pray. God, we just, we realize once again that God, first and foremost, if if we don't abide or remain in you, we just can't do it. first and foremost, we have to partner with you every day of our lives. We've got to be that branch that is engrafted into the vine and receives the life from the vine every day. We've got to let, Lord, your life flow in us and through us always. We've got to let your water quench us. We've got to let your bread fill us because we can't do life and ministry without you, God. But we've also, Lord, been reminded tonight that when we live in partnership with you, we have the opportunity, God, to partner and enter into partnerships and true fellowship with other believers, just like Paul did to Philippians because god we realize that we can't do church and we can't do ministry and we can't do life on our own that god you bring partners into our life that can be very special to us and lord that can make such a difference in our life and ministry because lord when we join hands we multiply our impact when we participate with one another we multiply our eternal investment When we truly fellowship with one another as you intend, God, we make you smile. And God, when we give of ourselves to your kingdom and to your glory, you promise us that you will always meet our need. Everything, Lord, that we need to accomplish your will at that moment, in that season of life, you'll make sure that we have it. God, help us to grab a hold of that promise tonight and to realize lord as we say goodbye hopefully for just a couple days till we see each other again to worship you with everything we've got to realize the unique bond that we have with each other and to be so grateful and to embrace our brothers and sisters in Christ like never before and God, to live by your grace every moment. To never live on our own, in our own power, in our own strength, but to live with your grace in our hearts. Go with us, God. Take us all home safely. Bring us back on Sunday, Lord, that we might worship you here in this place. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.